Greetings and salutations. Hi. I'm Josh Belcher. Get the super sauce. I'll change into my super suit. <laughs> this is Uncharted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, shapes, sorts, and sizes. This is Josh Belcher, host of the Uncharted Podcast. And boy, do we have a crackerjack of an episode this week. We could literally sell you a seat, but you're only going to need the edge. We've got country music legend Johnny Lee, Trevor from Moon Taxi, and Jake Summers, the drummer of Luke Combs. We've got an awesome lineup. I can't wait for you to listen to it. A lot of insightful information coming up in all of these interviews. Had a great week, a bittersweet week. Had good and bad, salt and pepper, hot and cold. Uh, You get the idea. Uh, My first ever hero as a kid, first person I ever, you know, kind of idolized, Hammerin' Hank Aaron passed away. Um, You know, just uh, being a kid loving baseball back when it was America's pastime before it got saturated and money lusting and greed and boycotting and all that good stuff. Um, Hank Aaron was obviously a player way before my time, but a natural swing, uh, did it all without the use of steroids, um, and surpassed Babe Ruth in the home run record, uh, during a time when it was not popular for a African American man to do such a thing. Um, but just as then as I do now, did not see the man's color, saw his performance and his work ethic and just really enjoyed him. Uh, God bless him and may he rest in peace. Also, having my shoulder cut out, total shoulder replacement on my right arm, my arm I write with, uh, you know, draw with, whatever, you know, uh, having it cut out. I'm kind of nervous about that because it's putting a foreign object into my body, but has to be done. Years of suffering uh, from arthritis and whatever else comes along with uh, the shoulder pain that I have. But three doctors, three different experts have told me, it's got to go. It's time to get out. I've prolonged it enough. So on Groundhog Day, I'm getting my shoulder replaced. And I've had two friends of mine say, well, what if it's like with Bill Murray where you have your shoulder cut open and operated on every day? I said, please don't jinx me like that. That sounds freaking awful. Um, and then also for some soul rejuvenation, I went to my favorite place on earth, my personal Disneyland, Fame Recording Studios, and Muscle Shoals Alabama. Now, I took my bass with me uh, since uh, after February 2nd, I will no longer be a drummer. I won't have the arm strength and the repetitiveness to do so. So I'm going to the other part of the rhythm section, the bass. I'm going to learn it. And I took mine with me. And Rick Hall's grandson, Rick Hall, the founder of Fame, was the tour guide, gave a great tour, and was kind enough to let me, by request, bring my bass in and stand it up in the middle of Studio A, hopefully to get some of the mojo and the magic uh, from the hallowed halls of Fame Studios, all the people that have recorded there. Uh, if you're interested to see the documentary first, check out the website, and then if you can, uh, go check out Fame Studios because the energy inside that building is palpable and you will leave with a feeling of love and appreciation for music like you've never had before. Anyway, enough yakking on my end. Uh, let's go ahead and get this podcast started. Uh, thank you for listening. you be doing anything, and I appreciate you hanging out with me. Here's the Uncharted Podcast. Let's get grooving. Thank you.
This week on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, we have living and breathing country music legend, superstar, the incredible Johnny Lee graced us with his presence to talk about his album with title track, Everything's Gonna Be Alright. Me and church comedian Brandon Skelton interview him next. Here we go. We have the legendary Johnny Lee on the podcast. How are you doing today, sir? Doing great, Josh. How are you doing, buddy? We're doing great. Uh, listen to your album. Very excited about it. Everything's going to be all right. It's dropping February 12th. Uh, let's go ahead and start right into it. Would you mind telling us about this uh, single and this great lyric video that I watched the other day? Well, I don't mind at all. I started writing this song about two years ago. I guess it must have been meant to be, not to be finished. Two years ago, it wouldn't have the same impact it was having now, you know. But my friend Tony Ramey came out to my bus, met me uh, when I first met him, I don't know, a few years ago, and uh, played it for him, and he said, that's a good song. I said, I know it's a good song. And he made a couple verses on the spot, you know. And he, of course, I couldn't remember what they were, and I called him. He couldn't remember what they were either. So I said, look, i tell you what, I'm putting out a new album, and I want to put that song in there, so let me finish it. So he helped me finish it, and uh, it was meant to be to come out now, instead of two years ago. And wow. Sony Records, BFD Records, subsidiary of Sony Records, uh, picked it up. And so I guess it was meant to be, you know. Everything's going to be all right. So I'm really, really proud of that song. Yeah, it's a great song. I really enjoyed it. Uh, that's a great telling story, and thank you for sharing it. Um, I, I uh, You know, in most of this album, you... Uh, had a part of, if not all of it. Do you feel like this uh, authentically, uh, this album represents your legacy and how you you want your music to be? Yeah, absolutely, yes. Uh, I did uh, a bunch of songs I wrote back in the 60s and 70s and 80s, you know. And uh, I said, heck with it, you know. And uh, so I, there's still two more songs I wrote. I forgot about that. That aren't that isn't on there. So it'll be on my next album that's come out. You know. So yeah, I feel like it's a legacy album. Yeah. Now, uh, did you did you do a track of statue of the uh, statue of a fool? I understand that was the first song you ever learned. Uh, is this the Jack Green edition? Edition? Is this the first song you ever learned how to sing and perform? Yeah, I was trying to get a job at after hours club called Cedar Oaks in Dickinson, Texas, at the time and. Uh, I just came back from the military, you know. Got in a small band and uh got rid of the he said, I'd like to hire you, man, but my wife likes country music and you don't play any, so I said, Well, okay, I'll learn some. So I learned Sedgwick Fool. Not knowing that time that uh I'd end up working on Jack Green's last album that he ever did, you know, and I became yeah. friends with him. So I feel quite honored. In fact there's no piano player after after he got the recording it. Uh-huh. said, no, 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 I want you to go back in. I want them licks to be exactly like the original record. So uh, they did, and uh, I always wanted to record that song. I love that song, and I love Jack Green, too. So, yeah, you know, put on record. Uh, Mr. Johnny, I was, I was going to ask, when this album comes out, is there is there plans for a tour uh, or, or have some different, you know, get some places scheduled to play? Oh, yeah, uh, we were uh, 
Me and Mickey Gilly, you know, we're going to tour it again together. Comes to Urban Cowboy Rides again. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going I'm to stay on the road and work, 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 work until I die, you know. So, well, it'll be any time soon, but, uh, yeah. The, uh, now, I was looking at, now, do you guys, uh, have y'all got your Branson show going as well, or is, is that just uh, some of those tour stops, or is that a residence that you guys have there? Well, we both live here. I went to the doctor years ago, tested positive for Branson. <laughs> and uh, and uh, thank you for catching that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, Mickey and I work together uh, Sundays, Sunday nights, and Monday afternoons, and spring and fall at Gillies. And uh, that gives us the rest of the time to work on the road, you know. Okay. Good deal. Uh, and I noticed you uh, you recorded the Pledge of Allegiance on this album. I've never heard it done that way before. You did a good job. What made you decide to put that track on this, this album? <laughs> well, i tell you what. I, like I said, I served in the military. And I felt like that I, I, I just felt patriotic for doing that. Also, I met a guy at this club in Texas. He's 90-something years old, and he got to dance every song with a different girl. And well, I'll say a different girl, I don't know that. But I don't want to be like him when I grew up. And I did, did a pledge of allegiance that night. And I've done quite a few of my performances. So I said I want to do it. So how I did it, you know, yeah. just be patriotic. Well, it's really wonderful, and thank you for your service, by the way. Uh, we really appreciate it. We're very proud to support our troops here. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. And uh, you had Willie Nelson play on this album. Did you bring Trigger with him? Yeah, he played Trigger. He played the hell out of Trigger. Uh, <laughs> I called Willie. Well, I didn't call him. I texted him. In fact, I'm trying to get him to record this song now. Uh, but anyway, he's at Senator over studio. I'll see, I'll listen to it, see what I can do. So I got it back a few days later and Willie Nelson played on it, man. Played the hell out of it, you know, and uh, uh, my steel player said, hey, boss, Willie wrote stuff on my lead on the guitar part, steel guitar part. I said, you know what? He's Willie Nelson. He can step on anybody's part that he wants to. So uh, I felt quite honored that Willie played on my record. Thought that was neat, and I saved the last question, and, and uh, I figured this was real close to your heart. Your daughter Cherish wrote a song on this album. Can you talk about that? Yeah, she wrote a song. I was born to be my my father's daughter, and when I get pissed off at her, all I gotta do is listen to that song. <laughs> I'm not mad at her anymore. Yeah, I was uh you know, she's having problems finding. Finding the label and stuff, yeah. So I, I said, yeah, I'm gonna put her on my album, turn on to some people, and uh, give her a shot at, you know. And it's really a great song. I believe everybody that's listening to it is gonna like it, you know. So I, I just want to give her a break, you know. And I'm real proud that uh, she called me up and asked me all kinds of questions about my, about my childhood, about the military, and all that, you know. Asked me what I like to drink and all that kind of stuff. So the song kind of, I'm really proud of for doing it. This week on the podcast, we are proud to have drummer extraordinaire Jake Summers. 
Now he pounds the tubs for none other than Luke Combs. We talk about touring, his drum kit, what he's doing during quarantine, and getting ready to get back out on the road with the biggest rising superstar in country music. That's coming up right now. Enjoy. Okay, I, I had a question about it a little bit later. I wasn't going to definitely lead in with it, but you mentioned that dog. It's a good-looking puppy you guys got. Uh, I know the name's Zoe. Uh, is this a Christmas gift? How did you uh, get this extra uh, pet in your family there? Uh, my girlfriend and I really wanted a puppy. And <laughs> the uh, We felt like the best time just because of right now and yep. – the um my current schedule that um i'd be able to be home to help train it and it would uh ultimately like so the dog would know who i am as well yeah. and um my girlfriend also has never had a pup has never had a pet before so this really um, just made a lot of sense. So. Yeah, right on. That's cool. That's a similar story to my little dog that you heard kind of running around the room. Um, my daughter moved in with me for her high school years, and she had never had a puppy. Well, she, you know, she had pets on my side, but not on her mom's. So got her one, and she got a boyfriend, got to rocking and rolling, and now he's my dog. <laughs> nice. What type of puppy? Um, he was a he was a mix. Uh, it was given to her. I, I I believe I know his mother was Shih Tzu, and I think maybe his dad's a terrier, but I wouldn't. I don't know. That's my guess. Okay. Yeah, his name is Leo after the Blue Ninja Turtle. That's a good name. Yeah, pretty solid. <laughs> well, anyway, let's cut to the meat of it. Um, I was a drummer, a novice one, and uh, I'm actually retiring in two weeks because I'm having shoulder surgery. But I always appreciate the rhythm section and get on your Instagram and watch you do those really awesome grooves you've been doing. And I uh, just wanted to talk to you and uh, understand that, uh, you know, you're offering lessons online or you're teaching over like zoom or something. I'd like to learn a little bit about that. Yeah, man. So I, um, uh, once first off, thank you for uh, enjoying the new, um, grooves and stuff just to me messing around. I've been posting. I'm trying to do more of that. Um, and yeah, I uh, I've been teaching a little here and there um, via Zoom, and um, just you know trying to get more students. I love teaching one on one. I love you know even though I'm still new at it, but I love being an educator. I did a few clinics uh, last year while we were on the road and. It's just something I love to do. It's, I think it's very inspiring, um, especially, you know, when people don't really know your story and how you got to where you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once they hear it, they're like, well, you know, for me, it's like, you know, if I can do it and I have the drive and all that stuff, you know, anybody else can. I don't want to, I don't want people to think like um, they can't do it. Obviously, they have to put the time in as well. But, if they do all the right things, there is a possibility of them living out their dream of that is if this is what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but to kind of piggyback off the teaching thing, I've actually been doing a lot of sessions from home. 
which has been really, really good, and I'm hoping to do more this year. So I've already done a few, and I think I have a few coming in the pipeline here soon. So, Yeah, uh, that was something else I was going to bring up because it, it totally fascinated me because I saw the little jam session you did with the one gentleman that was playing guitar. It, it sounded really awesome. I was I was kind of inquiring about how you guys stay in sync with each other with one person playing somewhere and another one playing somewhere else to do like a recording session like that. That just kind of, I was so interested in that to talk about it a little bit. So I know there's a few of them on there. I guess one of them is just split screen, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So what I did, um, I recorded my part first and then I sent it to him. He played what he did and then he edited the video and put pieced it together. Oh, I see. Okay. It was just more of like, hey, let's, you know, what genre do we want to do? Um, we'll pick that. Then we kind of choose like a, a tempo. Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay, how funky do we want it to be? Or how straight do we want it to be? And then we kind of go from there. And then we just, you know, then the creative creativity comes in and you kind of do it till you you like what you play and you think okay well the other guy can definitely put something on top of this so yeah those are fun i'm hoping to do more of those yeah yeah no that that looks like a blast because in my mind you know i didn't even stop to think somebody was recording prior i'm thinking are they using in-ear monitors or like what what are they doing here (laughs) you know i was just kind of curious but um with that being said um you do something that really fascinates me and i've only seen a couple of drummers do it I wanted to go in a little in depth about it. Can I take a guess? Yes, crossing the hands. The first thing I was taught in drumming, and you're like Carter Beaufort, and you're in there, and you're. And I love to watch it. I'm not very good at doing it, but I'm so. You know, with your training, how did you make it through all that without crossing your hands? Open-handed playing. So yeah, I, I figured you were going to ask that. You are not the first person to ask me that. So, um, <laughs> a little backstory, I guess. I, I've been playing drums for century since I was six years old and I am a lefty I did attempt to play how majority of drummers do play with obviously their right hand on the hi-hat left hand on the center drum and I can do that if I had to I'm not as powerful with that but Uh the open-handed playing I even one time set up the kit as a lefty and my left foot just couldn't do anything. Wow. It just felt really odd, and I was just, it was very natural to me to do left hand on a hi-hat, right hand on snare drum, and have it set up as a right-handed player. And the benefit of that, too, is if someone, if I had to share someone's kit, or if somebody said, hey, come up and play a song, or whatever, I don't have to move anything around, and I could just sit down and play, um, but yeah, it just kind of happened that way. I, I never had a teacher ever say to me, oh, you should do it like this. Like, they were always sticking to obviously do what you feel is comfortable. And I've studied with some of the best drummers in the world. Yeah. Um, and obviously, you know, we can get into that later. Sure. But, um, yeah, open-handed playing has uh, always been natural to me. And I honestly, I... I when I teach, I 
want the students that I have to be comfortable with how they play, which is how everybody else does it. But I said, I would like you to slowly incorporate practicing, you know, simple grooves and open-handed playing because you are actually able to do more around the kit and you don't have to cross any limbs over. And you can, honestly, you can hit harder. You can, um, you can be, make bigger motions if you're doing on a gig and stuff like that. And it might look a little odd to everybody else, but it definitely worked out for me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love to watch it. I've, I've practiced it a little. I'm not as good at it. But um, now that, that symbol to your left, is that a crash? Because I thought, or do you have two rides? Like, do you ride that way too? Like, you, without, you know, or do you use your right hand to ride? I use my right hand on my ride symbol. So my okay. setup at home. Uh, are you a Sabian or a Zildjian guy? Uh, uh, I, 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 some people call it pasty, pasty. Uh, that's, yeah, that's, okay. That's my go-to. Yeah, and I, I, I like vinyl. I think they put a lot of effort in that. Um, uh, but I, I don't mind any of them. I mean, I've played them all. But, I mean, uh, okay, I, I'm so, um I've been with Sabian now for about four or five years. And uh-huh. um, I, you know, due to the pandemic, I just brought all my symbols home that I had on tour. So my hi-hats are actually, uh, depending on the video, um, 16-inch hi-hats, but they're not actual hi-hats. The top is a 16-inch HHX thin crash, and the bottom is a uh, complex, I should say, and then the bottom is a complex medium crash put together. And then my left crash is a 20-inch complex thin the ride is a 22-inch Legacy ride. Right on. The other crash after that is a 22-inch thin complex crash, which I absolutely love. And right now, as my ending crash, I have set up um, an HHX Extreme 19-inch crash. Uh-huh. But sometimes I'll put the, uh, for fun, the 21-inch AHS Nicole China. But that's cool, just cool. for home. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so usually that's what's in the video videos but i like to you know you always like to mix it up yeah and i noticed also uh, compared to some con- considering uh you know your touring schedule you you play more of a compact kit not that it's small but it's like it's like the uh it's like uh kind of like your john bonhams or your guys like that you you just got the rocking kit with basically all the necessities not too much overkill like uh have you always been that way that's just my opinion so yeah um well so the kit that I have out, or that I'll be bringing out again, uh, is a Yamaha Recording Custom, and I've been with them now for two or three years, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never had owned a 24-inch kick drum, and I've always wanted one. So I got a 24 by 14 kick. The snare is a 14 by six and a half Recording Custom brass, which I absolutely love. Uh, the rack tom is a 12 by 8. Now, the floor toms are interesting. Um, you know how most people usually play 14, 14, 16, 16, or, you know, 16, 14, 18, 16? Mm-hmm. Yep. So, so mine, the small one is a 14 by 13, and the bigger one is 16 by 15. Wow. That's so cool. those are very odd dimensions, but you know what? They sound massive. And yeah. <laughs> 
you know, the kit, I guess, looks like it could be compact, but this thing packs a punch. Yeah, it, it sounds pretty rowdy on all the songs I've listened, you know, listened to you play and everything. And I, I just like it because I'm more of a – my setup's kind of like that as well if I get ready to play. And I just, you know, I just consider it like – it's like a like – a, I, I don't know, just like I said, compared to John Bonham, it's got everything you need to keep it punchy and nice and loud, and especially the kind of energy the band you're in brings to the table. So I just – I was very intrigued by it. And then – uh, a single pedal. I didn't see any double pedals, which is I, I thought everybody carried that now, which I found very no. Cool. Um, so for, for the gig, for the, the loop gigs, there is no need for a double pedal. And aside from that, I own one. I keep it at home. I don't uh-huh. use it that much, and I would definitely need to get my chops up on that. But the gig only requires you know a single pedal and. Um, so yeah, there's no need to bring a double, but uh, I am excited to what uh, whenever you know we do start touring again. I'm switching out um, single pedals, still Yamaha related, but mm-hmm. um, I think it was last year or two years ago they came out with this new FP9 pedal. I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, it is beautiful. It has a long footboard and it's a wide footboard as well, and it comes with a two weights, a silver and a gold one, and the gold one's a little heavier. Uh-huh. And it just, it's just so easy to custom to your liking, and I'll be bringing that out uh, whenever we go back on tour. So That's cool. Yeah, I saw, I was looking through some of the dates. I guess the first one I saw was Dublin, Ireland. That what a great way to reintroduce yourself back to the world. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> I, I honestly, um, you know, I'm not sure – what that is looking like so far. I haven't heard a confirmation of yes or no, Mm -hmm. Um, but I do see that as on our schedule. Those were actually the first, well, those were the last three shows of the um, C2C Festival that we were doing headlining last year that obviously got cut short, so. Yeah. Well, you know, hopefully, you know, I, I was talking the other day. I would wear like a Breaking Bad hazmat suit to go listen to a lot of music again. <laughs> I just miss it so bad. And then, you know, like I said, I, I know we're cutting into drums. I wanted to get into the meat of some of your origin story, which really intrigued me. You know, talking oh, about yeah, playing, you know, and you chose, uh, you know, drums over guitar. I wanted to ask about that. And also, what a like a true American awesome story. You know, I understand you're a Pennsylvania guy. You get Oh, no, that. I'm actually a New York guy. New York. I thought I said Pennsylvania, but I, I, oh, no, I, went, to, I went to college in Pennsylvania. Okay, right on. Well, that's still cool. But either way, you know, you, you come to Nashville, you you drumming for you know the biggest rising star in country music with Luke Combs, and and, and you talk about him like he's an awesome guy, which I figured he was. I mean, what a dream! I know you worked hard for it, and you you know you can you know you inspire people. But I mean, can we talk a little bit about your you know your origin story? Like I said, why you chose drums over guitar, and then getting here, and then like. Uh, you know, doing the backbeat for old Luke Combs there? Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah. So, um, you know, born and raised in New York. Um, I've always had music around me from, like, literally since a baby. My dad plays guitar. He's, you know, I grew up with him doing that. And I always had, like, the little kid instruments around. And then um, when I was six years old, my parents got me a drum set, and I just took to it. And I 
played it literally every day. I mean, I don't think there was a day that I can recall where I never sat foot on, sat foot on it. Like every time after school, I'd come home, drop my book bag off, go play drums for hours. Um, and then when I was 13, my dad got me a guitar and I played that every day and I still play guitar. Um, not as much, but I could still play. A lot of people don't know that I play guitar, but I took lessons and got pretty proficient in that too. Um, and then uh, I knew when I was 15 years old, I wanted to play drums professionally and Growing up on Long Island, I had the opportunity to study with Dom Femulero. If you've heard, yeah. sure you've heard of him. Mm-hmm. And then um, whenever he was out of the country, I would study with one of his students, John Favicchia, who I still would see when we're both in the same city. Um, and I still, you know, talk to both of those guys on a regular basis. And um, so after that, I went to college at the school called the University of the Arts in Philadelphia, and I got to study with some incredible drummers there. My uh, main teacher there, his name is Mark DiGiani. He's been the drummer for Ben Vereen for years. And then uh, while I was there, I also got to be fortunate enough to study with Jimmy Paxson, who yeah. is the drummer for uh, the Dixie Chicks, um, I think they're just the chicks now. <laughs> yeah, sorry. You're right. Just, just the chicks. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the chicks, he obviously played for uh, Stevie Nicks for a long time. He played yeah. he's been with Lindsey Buckingham. Um, and I've also got to study with Jerry Brown, who was the longtime drummer for Stevie Wonder. And he's also been with Diana Ross for a long time. And I'm still uh, in touch with both of those guys as well. That's awesome. Speaking of Diana Ross, the Supremes turned 60 this year. Can you believe that? That's crazy to think about, how time flies. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does. You know, you wake <laughs> up, and like I looked in the mirror the other day, and I'm like, man, I'm in the back end of my 30s. What in the world has happened? <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, I saw also, uh, which is, you know, which is a collective of your resume and everything. It's so impressive. Um do you okay? Do you go in the studio and record when like Luke Co- goes in, or you do you just tour? Because like I know in some situations those transactions are two different things. But with your background, I figured you're in studio as well. So in that case, um, Luke uses uh, session guys. So it's the producer who chooses the guys. It's usually the same guys, which are all session players, because that's all they do. But there have been instances where Luke has had us play on stuff in the studio, like his Spotify sessions, that's uh-huh. the whole band. And then the Apple music, the writer's cut, that's all of us as well. Okay. So, yeah. and hopefully, you know, in, in time, we'll be able to play on like a full record and stuff. So that's, you know, that's my goal at least. Yeah. So yeah. as well, but, um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's uh, usually session guys. So yeah, I, I'm. It's, it's always so intriguing, like you know, because you talk to different drummers, like in rock bands or in country bands, and you know, there's guys like you out there that I know just can mow it down on either end of the spectrum. I just it always amazes me how like Nashville works like that. And I understand you know people have to work, but it just uh, you know sometimes you'll talk to somebody and you're like, yeah, we go in there with them, and sometimes like you said, it's like you know we're on tour, but. 
you know, we could go do it, but for right now, it's, you know, it's somebody else's discretion. It just, I was just curious. Um, oh, yeah, of course. And then I see in a lot of pictures, like, that I was looking through because I was going to post a couple on my Instagram to let everybody know you, <laughs> I was going to be speaking with you. You seem to have a microphone close to your face. Are you a vocalist as well? Uh, that I do in my own time <laughs> when I play guitar at home. Um, okay. The mic is there for me to, for whatever songs I have to count off, it's okay. there for that. And then also if I ever have, in, uh, you know, if there's ever a malfunction with the drums, it's for me to talk to my tech and tell him what's if there's something wrong or if I need something more in my ears to talk to our monitor guy. Okay. So. Yeah, I just uh, I've always appreciated the the singing drummer like the Don Henleys of the world. I I never had that skill, but I always admired it. <laughs> yeah, that is, that is that is not me. Uh, yeah, I, I prefer to you know on that in that case just play the drums and just bring a lot of energy because I know that you know when you're playing at twenty thousand plus people and you're so far away from them, you want to bring everything you got and you want to make all the big motions and, you know, make it seem like the person all the way in the top tier is right there with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Got to be engaged. Well, I got you focused on your drums. I'm the same way. I just, you know, <laughs> just, a, just a quirky little thing I want to ask about. Also, you're the first um, drummer I've ever spoke with that has adorned the SNL stage. Uh, can we oh, talk about awesome. experience a little bit? Um, yeah, so that was Number one uh, bucket list TV for me, yes, given the sure. fact I'm also from New York. And, uh, you know, walking in there, you, know, you watch the show on TV and you think, wow, the studio is huge. You walk in, it's actually really small. There's the stage that you see the band on. And then you see the stage right next to it where you see the musical act. or Sorry, you see the house band. And um, then, like, right next to that is where they do the skit. And to see them just you know the characters go and switch out costumes and have them do set changes so rapidly is really impressive and then you get the um when you do on day of show you do one full rehearsal like a dress rehearsal mm-hmm. and then after they do the show but during after like right after the dress rehearsal they're like going through okay what skits do we need to cut and all that stuff and it's you know some of the best skits you don't get to see because they're not on TV. Yeah. No, yes, I'm sure of that, no doubt. <laughs> the playing SNL was um, definitely something I'll never forget. So. Yeah. And I, I, I've, always, I've always been intrigued by, you know, it's got such a rich history, and, and, and usually everything I watch comedy-wise, there's been somebody that has been a part of it, and so to – you know, there's no somebody that's experienced it. You know, it, I'd like to go eventually and like see maybe a live taping if uh, you know the world ever opens back up. But to perform at it, that's got to be definitely the icing on the cake. Oh, definitely. I mean, I I still think even just being able to go and just watch it for yourself is still a really cool experience. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I know I, I, I asked a little bit, but I, I don't know if we got really into detail with it. How did you link up with Luke Combs? How did you become drummer number one for that guy? So um, there's a bar in Nashville called Tin Roof. Uh, the main okay. one is on the Mumbrian. And on Tuesday nights, they had the writers around Call Revival. And at the time, I was studying with uh, 
Jim Riley, the drummer for Rascal Flatts. Yep. And I told him how I was leaving a group. I wanted to play with someone who's more my age. And he said, go to Riders Rounds. All artists, you know, writers, they all need a drummer. So I went, and uh, I didn't know anybody there. I got there right at the nick of time because I think Luke was playing his last song. And I didn't even see his face. I literally just stood in the back of the, stood behind the stage, heard him sing, heard him play. It's like, my goodness, this guy is amazing. Yeah. So I went up and talked to him and just, we just, you know, chatted for a little bit. And he asked what I did. And I told him I played drums. And, and he said, um, I have a gig next week. I need a drummer. Would you like to do it? I said, I'd love to. Please send me your stuff and I'll do my homework, which I did. I was the first one to the rehearsal, had my stuff all ready to go the rehearsal we did the gig and then uh those next six months when he was just writing him and i would hang out every week just to get to know each other and then uh he called me and said hey um i want you to be my guy do you want to do this i said yeah count me in right on you talk about being at the right place at the right time <laughs> exactly but but that's you know that really is part of it too it's like there's all different ways to get um a gig and obviously like i didn't know at the time that it was going to lead to this. And, you know, who knew if he knew that as well, you know, we were doing it because we, be, we believe in each other and we want to see where it goes. And, you know, my way of how I joined or how I got to be with Luke is just one way. Whereas obviously if you know somebody who is already playing for someone and they say, Hey, come audition, for this gig that I'm on, you know, that's another way to go about it. But, you know, it just shows that that's not the only way to get, to go get a gig. Yeah. So. It's just great because, you know, um, and uh, I was going to mention this, uh, Jim Riley, I've had him on the podcast. What a brilliant professional man that loves playing drums. Just listening to him speak is just so, it gets you so motivated. What a great guy. Oh, yeah. Um, let's see, what was I going to say? My ADD just kicked in. But, uh, yeah, Luke, Luke Combs, and, you know, like I said, I'm always for the rhythm section. Uh, but he's one of the rare birds out there right now in country that when he sings a song, you feel it. Whatever whatever mood, whatever emotion, whatever type of song, he he's one of those that just gives to you. He's just amazing. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, to be able to, you know, be that, you know, the driving force behind him while he's singing and obviously like you're still you're in the moment and you're hearing him sing like you know it still gets to you too like you know this is really happening and you know i still pinch myself when we get to you know do shows and you know going to different arenas and stuff and you know we're supposed to do and i think i'm hoping we do this year um Supposed to do two back-to-back nights at United Center. We're supposed to do uh, two back-to-back nights at Madison Square Garden, and then two back-to-back nights at TD Garden in Boston. And those are all massive venues. And for me, you know, Madison Square Garden is home. And to be able to headline that venue two nights in a row will be, you know, another bucket list checkoff because we we did uh, play that venue with. And we were out with Jason Aldean three years ago as direct support, and that was a really cool experience. But I could only imagine headlining it, not just one, but two nights. 
Yeah. Man, that's that's a goosebump story right there. I, I saw I don't know if you do it yet or not, but uh as as nice and uh, mild mannered as you are and as humble to be a superstar. Uh, speaking engagements, motivational, that's definitely got to be in your future, my friend, because I, I bet you could get a crowd just captivated. You know, I I, I really I really hope it is, um, especially like, you know, um, you know, Rich Redmond, he does those things with drums. And, you know, that, that's something I would definitely um, enjoy doing. And, yeah, I mean, I, I my goal is to do – if it pertains to drums or even if it's just motivational speaking without drums um, in some way, be able to somehow do that as well within what I'm doing currently. And, uh, you know, just branching out as many facets as I can. So, yeah, yeah, I appreciate you saying that. Well, I'm just, I'm just being real with you because, I think the way you you know you care yourself and and taking your time with me and been patient like with me asking all these questions almost like with my childlike you know hey drums and, and this and this I think I think that you could probably really touch some folks and uh, you know once again speaking about Rich Redmond you know every once in a while you'll turn on the TV and you'll see him on a, on a television show somewhere doing something yeah I've seen him do some drums well I saw through post of his. Him do like him be on news station doing like drum stuff. I'm like that's cool. Yeah, yeah. So. He's just a conglomerate, and, and it sounds like you're going to be one as well. Well, hey, that's my friend. Cool. Um, anything else you want to add? I appreciate your time. Uh, and, you know your uh, social medias or anything else you want to let some people know about here. Um, I mean, if you have any more questions, feel free to ask. So I'm, I'm good, man. Covered you, everything. You, yeah, you uh, you answered everything I had for you, and I appreciate it because, like I said, I didn't want to overwhelm you. But um, just oh, look forward good. to seeing you when you you know when Nashville opens back up because, like, I'm over here in Columbia, so I'm just uh, skipping a jump with away. So oh, okay, cool. That's really not that far. So yeah, um, yeah maybe one day get to see your drum set set up. Hopefully, if I could if I could nerd my way into that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I unfortunately I don't have my touring kit at home, but. Um, I did for a certain amount of time, but then I'd bring it, I brought it back. But, um, yeah, I mean, that, that would be, that would certainly be cool to, to, you know, have you check that out. And, um, but yeah, I, I think, uh, if we covered all the bases, uh, other than that, just like in social media, the only one I really use is Instagram. And, and my handle is just, uh, my name, Jake Summers, S O M M E R S seven. Um, uh, my website is, you know, jakesummersdrums.com if people want to, you know, follow on or just, you know, look on there for tour dates and, um, you know, if they want to um, have any lessons, they could email me through there or, um, you know, send a message on Instagram. Um, so, yeah, yep. so that's that's pretty much it. So. Yep. That's that's what I was trying to cover. I was thinking for people that like to get a lesson, it sounds like it'd be a, a very beneficial thing. Chatting with us on the Uncharted Podcast, Nashville's very own Moon Taxi's frontman, Trevor. Now he's talking about their new album, Silver Dream, which released January 22nd. 
Uh, we talk about that and a whole lot more. That's coming up right now on the Uncharted Podcast. But first, be sure to get online, get you a copy of that record. It comes in three or four different really awesome colors and support your local awesome rock band. Hey, Josh, what's, what's up? up? Hey, Trevor. Hey, first of all, thanks for taking the time. Uh, saw you guys rocking out with the uh, Titans, of course, you know, Tennessee boy. I'm always proud of my local, support my local bands. Um, you guys Go Titans, baby. I mean, it was, it was tough. <laughs> yeah. It was well, a tough yeah, loss. You, that, but you guys nailed it, man. The, you know, the songs you played, um, you know, Hometown Heroes, fitting tribute, love that. And then Say, it seems like this new album, Silver Dream, which uh, I found out is dropping this 22nd of January. It's got a lot of uplifting messages to it. It's it's like very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of like uh, power forward empowerment for folks. Like, did you guys have a theme when you went into the studio? Uh, well, first first off, good to see you. I love the sweatshirt, Fame Studios, by the way, representing. I'm from Birmingham myself, so love all things Alabama. Yeah, buddy. What is that? Uh, the Swampers. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm, uh, oh, that was such a good documentary. Oh, man. I uh, I was a drummer, and then I'm having total shoulder replacement, and now I'm off to bass. Oh, man. So okay, got to support the rhythm section. <laughs> oh, well, good luck on the surgery. Damn, that's 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 intense. Not excited. They were like, I was, I'm 38 years old, and they're like, yeah, we got to pull it out of there. It's bone to bone. I'm like thinking, this is something to tell an 80-year-old, you know, so. Oh, can you do the Def Leppard thing for a little while, or is that possible? It, but like I said, I just I've switched to bass, and now I'm just kind of you know I'm kind of learning. But my problem is I like your Getty Lees and everything, so I literally uh huh I'm shooting for the stars, and I'm like in Pee Wee League, so I've got to go back or find <laughs> somebody that I can kind of jam along to. I mean, it's a good time to pick up something new like that in quarantine, where you know musicians like us have nothing but time, so. Yeah, uh, I think that's great. Um, so yeah, back to your question. My bad. Um, we just kind of got to we talk about fame. Speak yeah, about yeah, fame. no, I, I'm I'm the same way. Uh, but yeah, back to uh, Silver Dream and the songs. We didn't really have that that theme in mind, really, to to have the the coming together and the honoring of of uh, like first line uh, workers and first responders. Um, but the the songs just kind of came out and. Uh, it was like kind of foreshadowing a little bit, like we put out Hometown Heroes in uh, early March, or maybe it was late February of 2019, and two weeks later, the the tornado rips through Nashville, yeah. pulls up trees and houses close to my neighborhood and close to the Tommy, the bass player's neighborhood, and uh, we see people, we see neighbors out helping neighbors, and like all of a sudden, yeah, they're the Hometown Heroes. It's like we didn't intend for that to be the the point of the song really the the origin of the song it goes back to uh the relationship i have with the bass player we're from birmingham we've been playing music together for like more than half our lives since we we're 15 yeah. uh so that's that's kind of what that song was about but then it took on it's this whole new meaning and we were kind of happy to see people embrace it that way yeah that's it's great and the way you did the tribute and everything and that's why i thought i was like yeah man yeah, perfect timing, and then, um, but you guys rocked it, and then at the end saying, tighten up, man, got my blood pumping. Mm-hmm. I was ready to go suit up. I know I would probably get killed. <laughs> you had me. Go. Um, one thing I wanted to bring up with this new album, and, and this is awesome, and I appreciate you guys doing this, but you guys are doing a free live stream uh, uh, day That's up right. at the Brooklyn Bowl in Nashville. I mean- yeah, we're excited to get to the Brooklyn Bowl in Nashville. We've, uh, 
is is my audio going through okay sorry i thought you were you were paused for a second <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's always that thing we're we're excited we've been to two other brooklyn bowls the one the original uh in new york and then the one out in uh las vegas and we just think that they do things right it's always a great venue a great spot to play and we haven't even been to the one here in town because it was set to open in march and then the tornado happened and then covid so uh, excited to get in the doors there and like really check out the space. Um, uh, we're not charging for it just because we want to play music together and like ourselves, but it is, uh, there is a charity aspect to, uh, to, to help the crew yeah. people of the world to help like, you know, the, the folks that make the show happen. I mean, we, we do our part, but it's really the crew that, that makes it happen uh, logistically you know, they, 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 they set everything up. They, they treat us uh, right. I don't know why they do. I don't know why they elevate artists to the level that they do. I mean, I, I, I prefer hanging out with the crew to other artists myself. I mean, they have more fun and play way more video games like me. So, uh, but anyway, so there is that aspect of the Brooklyn Ball show, but you don't have to pay at all or, or contribute to Crew Nation. Uh, but if you want to, you can. Um, so yeah, that's why we're doing it for free. Uh, and we'll be playing probably a little bit more than half of the new record uh, on the day of. Uh, we haven't really practiced because we've been kind of, you know, isolating at home. Uh, so putting the whole record together on record on the release day might be a little difficult, but we can at least play, you know, a good half of it. Yeah. Well, let me go ahead and uh, throw out a request, man. Uh, my jam, and I know it's not a single yet, uh, The Beginning. That's the bee's knees, brother. Love it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, yeah, I was thinking about that song today. It's like, maybe we should just open with it. It's, it feels like a good opening song, right? Yeah. Uh, and the, the lyrics about, you know, uh, digging for diamonds in the dirt, man, that's, that's complex. And I like it. And it just all ties together. The beat's on point. And uh, you, you, I think you're bringing back Blue-Eyed Soul, like some of the old school, like uh, your uh, Righteous Brothers-esque slash Rascals type, you know, just putting the soul in and the beat and it's all mixing together. I, I think you're about to start a new genre unintentionally. I really do. Well, I appreciate it. <laughs> that one has some funky guitar stuff on it, which I like. So yeah. it'd be fun to play it live. Yeah. And um, uh, I saw, you know, of course, the album, uh, I saw the, the two-tone, the, like the white and the dark. And then how many colors? I mean... How many options are you going to get with this release, like, and, and colors? For the vinyl? Yeah, yeah, vinyl, yeah. Yeah, it has the black and white sort of marbled uh, one that you were mentioning. Uh, there's like a magenta, and there's kind of like a Tennessee orange almost, like a Vols orange. Yeah. But it's translucent, so you can see through it. Yeah. Kind of like the coach they just fired. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention anything about that. <laughs> setting me up. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And I saw, you know, the, the you know, autographs from, and then giving away a Fender, man, this is hardcore. Like, uh, does it come with a free lesson? What's the deal about giving away this? Fender? Uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'll, I'll post some videos. Uh, but no, the, the Fender is a great telly, uh, white telly that's been featured in one of our music videos. And we love the Fender people. Like they're, they're just, they're one, they're, they're friends of ours, the, the Nashville reps. And uh, we've, we've met the LA reps before, but the people that live here in town are just great people and uh, always help us out. And I mean, we just, we enjoy and celebrate their, 
their line of of guitars and amps and and everything. Can't be beat. Can't go wrong with a Fender. Uh, you know, back to bass. Um, I'm a Brian Wilson fan. He's always when he was doing his early stuff. He's on that Fender Jazz. Always. Yeah. Don't blame. I don't yeah. Have, I don't have standard. A, yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't have a Fender yet. I, I'm going to upgrade as I go. So right now, I'm I'm rocking a PV. I don't even know if PV exists anymore, but I have a PV bass. <laughs> I, I love a PV base. I think just, you know, learn on the PV. If you want to jump up to the fender, you can, but PVs are great. Yeah. I'm down with them. Mine, mine's I don't know if they exist anymore. I should Google that. Yeah. I, I needed to as well, but like I said, it still plays like a champ and tunes fine. And you know, it's, it's serving its purpose. I'm enjoying it. So we had some good uh, PV guitar amps back in the day. Yeah. It's it like a little tweed box with like a one twelve in it, but it was loud. Yeah. Do the job. I like that. Um, yep. Yeah. This one so far, I mean, uh, great things. It was gifted to me at Christmas time from a friend musician, Sam Madewell. I'll throw his name out there. He was kind and he was like, nice. All right, I'm going to get you started. And I was like, Cool. And then I go, Well, can you give me bass lessons? No, it's not my forte. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, after the album, is there any touring plans? I know everything is so limited right now. Are you guys going to do a run or try to do anything like that? uh yeah like you said it's it's really tough to to make definitive plans uh we do have some things on the calendar i'm not really sure if they're gonna come to fruition or not but you know it's it's kind of we've had this happen before too where it's like we might do a show and then it gets canceled and everyone's you know feelings get hurt so it's probably best just to be like we'll see what what happens when it does yeah exactly I know it's just um, I I would I'd be willing to wear a Breaking Bad hazmat suit to go to another concert. That's, <laughs> I, yeah. I'd be willing to get in a Wayne Coin bubble to play <laughs> another show. Yeah, it's just it's just so I mean you just crave it like like hearing you guys do that live. It just gets you right in the mood for it. I mean even though everybody's so far apart, I mean you know kind of a little bit of unison there, but nothing beats just after you've had a rough week and just letting it loose and going to enjoy some you know some genuine music. It just it's it's I think honestly. And I'm not very political or anything like that, but I think if we could get back to concerts, that would be the biggest leap for everybody to kind of maybe get back together and start start peacefully, you know, conjoining again. I guess you could say. I would I would vote for that. Yes, I'd vote for that. Vote for some vote for some concerts. All right, uh, what's the first single in this album? Is it going to be Bravery? Uh, the no, it's called Say. It, it's a it's a song called Say, and it's about bravery. It's about. Um, yeah, it, it's about being brave. You actually just nailed it. Yeah, uh, that's what I meant to say. I got it backwards. Say is about being brave. That's the first thing. And I want. That's what I was gonna ask you. Like, what was the uh, the inspiration behind it? Because it just it's like you know going out there and just you know, doing your thing. So we we love those anthemic songs that that do bring people together. And we thought, uh, what's one thing we can do right now is is have like a collective something that we can all say together. So that was kind of our our idea. It's kind of like a stomp, stomp, yeah. shout moment. So I mean, who who can't do that, you know? Yeah. So we we uh, it it wasn't meant to be, and it's not political at all. It's it's kind of uh, th there are some undertones of like an anti-bullying, I would say, which which is is also kind of goes with bringing people together, um, feeling secure with who you are enough to like really say what you mean. And about being brave enough to be who you are. So, uh, kind of all those things wrapped together is is the gist of say. Yeah, it's groovy. Um, what? Uh, let's see. What was my question? I'm trying to find it on here. Uh, yeah. Um, 
when I was reading like some of the emails I got, uh, did you guys do like a songwriting collective, of, like different songwriters or did you, it seemed like you had a couple there in the mix. And then I saw something about a brain tumor inspired a song. I was like wanting to know about that. Yeah. So we wrote a bunch of these songs um, on a trip, <clears throat> like a songwriting trip that we took uh, to Los Angeles and kind of e each day we would have a different songwriter come and and work with us sometimes they'd just be like a producer we would we'd write the songs and they would track it for us uh and one of the guys who's actually a nashville dude um was a nashville guy his name is uh, busby mm -hmm. he he died recently um not not covid related this was pre-covid this was probably maybe a year ago um sorry so like you know but, no it's it's okay it's 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 tough um but yeah, he, I think, he, I want to say it was around January. So gosh, he, he missed a, a crazy year. Uh, but we, we had written with him before. And then we also wrote with him out on this trip to Los Angeles. And uh, he actually inspired two songs on the album. And just so happy to have like his voice come through, his like musical genius voice come through on this album. And yeah, want to, you know, tribute it to him. Yeah, that, I, I read that part. And I was just kind of curious. I was like, "Man, that's a that's a very big, big deal." If you got something going on like that, but I mean, at least you know he's awesome. You should check it. Check out his Wikipedia. He's written with, you know, Keith Urban, Marin Morris, a lot of Nashville people, but uh, a lot of kind of more country centric people, but also some rock folks. And it was great to work with him. Yeah, you know, a person's cool when they only use one name. You know, like, like Leon or Prince, <laughs> you know, something like that. But uh, this guy is Busby. Yeah, yep. that's all you need, Busby. Uh, but I, I really enjoyed that story. And like I said, the whole album, it doesn't sound like it has any fillers. I mean, you can enjoy it all the way through. I know a lot of bands say, oh, this is our best album. But do you do you feel this is possibly your best work to date? I mean, it is everything on it is just just it's it's got that boom and it just keeps you flowing like like a nice heart pump when you're on like a treadmill or something. Man, I appreciate that. I think it's our best sounding album. I don't know, you know, I'm too in, entrenched in the songs and too close to them to really know. And also, you don't really know until you go out and play it for people live. So that's to be determined if it is the best one or not. And that wraps up another edition of the Uncharted Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Belcher. Special thanks to guest co-host this week, the church comedian, Brandon Skelton. He helped me interview the legendary country super megastar, Johnny Lee. We also had Trevor, the lead vocalist of Moon Taxi, and Jake Summers, the drummer, that rhymed, I like that, of Luke Combs. Special thanks to all my guests taking the time. I was really grateful and enlightened by all of your uh, interview chats with myself. Most importantly, I want to thank you, the listener, you, the fan, if you so decide to be, because you could be doing anything and you're listening to my podcast. And like I said, I love it with all my heart and soul. It's my little baby that I uh, want to, uh, you know, take good care of. And you guys are making it possible by listening, because without you, there'd be no point. Just be talking to myself like I do anyway when I'm home, <laughs> home alone. Uh, I don't know if that's a confession or an outreach, but uh, yeah, it's in there. So it's there. And um, anyway, we uh, will uh, chat with you next week. We'll get another one uh, pumped out there for you that you can enjoy. Uh, and always remember, I love you for you and where you're at in your standings in life. I'm Josh Belcher. This is the Uncharted Podcast. 
and we'll do it again here real soon. All right, thank you so much.